Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Sheila Zielinski Show today. I have a great guest. Before I jump into the program, if you are not following me on social media, the information is up on your screen. On Facebook, it's Real Sheila Z. On Twitter, at Real Sheila Z. And on Instagram, it's Sheila Zielinski, all one word. Make sure you're also subscribed to my YouTube channel. If you go on over there to SheilaZielinski.com, you can see all the social media icons. And if you click on the headphones off to the left-hand side, there's a little icon of headphones. There's other ways to listen, including the podcast. And you can take the show on the go on any smart device. And if you're not already a supporter of this ministry, please become one and help ensure that this broadcast continues. This broadcast is 100% listener-supported. It is ad-free, commercial-free, no interruptions. Consider becoming a partner of this ministry. The information's up on your screen. You can simply go to SheilaZielinski.com. There's a pink donate button. You can't miss it. You've asked for it, and we've made a lot of really easy ways to support this ministry, including Cash App, Venmo, Zelle, and of course, PayPal. And you can also send a check or money order to Sheila Zielinski Ministries, P.O. Box 396, Woodland Hills, California, 91365. Your support is greatly appreciated. And I would like to thank all my faithful supporters. Thank you for supporting this ministry and getting behind salvation, healing, and deliverance. And just know that we pray for every one of our supporters. Well, today he is back to do part three of a series. I've got lots of feedback on the other two, and I want to jump right into it. It is a good friend of the program, Pastor Elvis Newhart from Hamburg Church of Deliverance, to get into this final part, part three of Bloomheart's Battle, A Conflict with Satan. I'm just going to hand you the mic, Elvis, and you throw it back to me when you're ready. Well, Sheila, thanks for having me back. It's uh, great to be here and happy we can continue on with Bloomheart's Battle Part 3 here, uh, putting it down. Now, it was really interesting. We talked about Gottliebman in the first uh, part of the series that we did. We talked about how, you know, as soon as they started using the name of Jesus, what the enemy did to try to come back uh, against the people there and work it. And today what we're going to go forward in is we're going to look more at this and it's like, well, how could this happen in this seemingly Christian community there? and going forward. Now, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Now, there's a lot in our testimony, and that there's one thing that the enemy really wants to stifle, folks. It is your testimony. But what I want to share, starting off tonight, is we had a wonderful testimony. We did our series. Uh, we continue this on Sundays. We're uh, going through, also going through Bloomheart's Battle in uh, church here. And for our Sunday services, we had one lady give an incredible testimony here as we were going forward. Now, what we were talking about on Sunday is we were talking about idolatry, uh, magic, and black magic, and how that just uh, sneaks right on into the church or into a community. And we had a testimony here. It's pinned to the top of our comments here on the uh, Elvis Newhart Network on the Bloomheart Battle series there. And it says, Pastor Elvis, my mom has Alzheimer's dementia and lives with us. She rarely pays attention to the television. I had your service replaying. And at the end, when you did deliverance, she looked at me and said, I'm so glad he is doing that. They don't do that often enough. Wow. She prayed part of it with you. 
Praise God. Well, praise the Lord for that, too. And, you know, mighty is the working of the Holy Spirit, the name of Jesus Christ, and the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're all happy you're, you're here. Praise the Lord. And we do a lot of that. You know, so many times we there are certain illnesses where humanity or people have just given up on that. But, you know, Jesus Christ is our doctor. So praise the Lord. But now let's get right right back into it. And we want to look at Bloomhart's battle here. And in Bloomhart's day, the majority of church members were no longer true believers believers, but nominal Christians, and therefore destitute of spiritual understanding, especially in the supernatural. Now, if the enemy starts attacking you now and making you trying to think that you're just a nominal Christian now, that can't be because you're here listening now and you are interested in uh, you are interested and seeking after spiritual understanding and seeing what's going on. And, hey, how can we bind and loose? How can we pray? So, you know what? None of the listeners on this channel are nominal because you're into this. But you know what? Christianity had cooled down so far there that you know in this circumstance, you know even a believing pastor like Bloomhart expresses surprise at the awful reality of the work of demons in people. How could that be? And, and, and when it's written in the Bible. Now look at this. And how could that be? Now, it's amazing. What's even more amazing is that Pastor Bloomhart remained clear and victorious in his conflict with Satan. He did not have literature to consult. Now, it did exist. It did exist back then, but he didn't have the literature to consult for whatever reason, and he had no friends or colleagues with whom he could counsel on such weighty matters as to how to contend with the devil. Right, because remember, the devil's, the devil's out there trying to convince everybody that he doesn't exist, and he's done a really good job. Nor could he easily do so because of the immediate doubt he would have aroused. You know, uh, Bloomhart said, you know what, I would have I stirred up so much doubt here. If I would have went out and just started talking to people and say, hey, you know, I have, th I have this going on in one of my, in one of my parishioners here, you know, what can I do for this? They'd be like, nah, you know, it really can't happen. Maybe she just has a mental illness or something. But let's go forward. And what I want to look at tonight is, and we're going to uh, paint in some broad strokes, where it's written back, and remember, this was written back in 1843, and we're going to look at some aspects of idolatry here, and it says, you know, there is something else that in summarizing, I have to report, this will call for attention, but I cannot be silent about it by any means. Through the above appearances and others later, I realize that our time suffers from an evil that has eaten through nearly the entire evangelical Christianity like a secretly gnawing worm. No one is paying serious attention to it, and that is the sin of idolatry, which, which by step by step leads up to magic and complete black magic. I receive the surest knowledge of its existence in, its mo in a most horrible way. Idolatry may be considered every reliance on, on a supernatural, invisible power based upon which a man is attempting to obtain the following things, health, honor, prosperity, or pleasure, as long as this power is not purely divine. Okay, now another one is, so look at this here. When people are going after things and they're going, you're using the supernatural to get health, honor, gain, or pleasure, right? And they're not going to God for it, they're going, going to something else for it. Now what, what Bloomhart also included here, it says, but every superstitious use of religious words... Okay, every superstitious use of religious words, you know, repeating phrases, right? Especially when the highest names are used in it. This is also idolatry. You know, even if they're, even if they do that, they're, they're doing their, their superstitious use of religious words and also including, you know, God and Jesus and everything else like that. It's idolatry because the living faith in God 
as well as the highness and majesty of God, are made into a caricature. You're making it into an idol. And it's like, you know what? If I just do this or if I just say this magic phrase or magic formula or whatever, well, then I'm going to get what I want there. And you know what? That's not how that works, folks. But what happened is, is that people had fallen into this back then. And this was 177 years ago. Another thing that he wrote about, it says, due to this and many other things, which which I pass over here. So there were many things that Bloomhart passed over. Man gets hung up on an immediate natural power, right? The powers of nature. Read the Green Gospel, right? He changes his, his faith in the invisible God to a kind of nature spirit. And because of it, he becomes an idolater in the eyes of the jealous God, for God does not give his glory to another, as the Old Testament says. Now, if an immediate invisible power is to help, why does not man turn to him who himself is power? He's like, you know, he's like, people, you're Christians. Why aren't you just turning to God? For, why aren't you just turning to God for this? Okay. Instead of what they did, what they did back then too. Another thing in the sphere of idolatry, what people were just doing here too is they would do a thing called transplantation, and it's an art by which pain or disease are attempted to be transferred into trees or animals by all sorts of manipulation. Okay, not good when this is being uh, done into the church. But you know what? When the spirit of Elymas is running around in the church today, that's Acts chapter 13, verses 8 and 10, for the spirit of Elymas there, there's always something there trying to turn you away from God, even if you're a Christian, but it's like, go over to this. And what we've learned, too, is like what would happen is the enemy will set up catastrophes. The enemy will set up difficulties in a believer's life They'll sit there and they'll be taught that, that this doesn't happen in Christianity, but what they do is they go after some other superstition, and so to relieve their pain, they go back into an idolatry, and by going back into that idolatry, praying to an idol, praying to a metal, praying to a statue, praying to a piece of wood, and what that does is, is that draws the person uh, more and more down into bondage. Okay, now... Let's talk about but every superstitious use of pious words. You know, Jesus talked about that too. Mark chapter 6, verse 7 says, But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. Okay? So here Jesus was talking about, this is Jesus talking in Mark chapter 6. He's saying, you know what? When you're praying, don't keep using vain repetition. Don't be using the 7-Eleven, you know, going over and over and over that. Because like what Jesus said, he says, you know, for they think they're going to get an answer to the prayer for, for the vain repetitions that they're using. And you see, this is this is the thing, too. It's like, well, my prayers or, or you know, we go into these vain repetitions here. It's like, you know, we, we fall into this idolatry and that is a sin because that will lead up to magic and into complete black magic. So, incredible. Now, Bloomhart wrote also, slowly I learned to get a glimpse into the horrible consequences of all of this idolatry. There are consequences to this. The first effect is that a man becomes more or less bound to a sinister satanic power. Okay? And it's like people don't realize that. They get into the idolatry or they've got their lucky charm, okay, or they've got their little statue on the dashboard of their car, you know, the, the little bobblehead saint, you know, the little bobblehead Virgin Mary or something, right? And they've got all that and they don't realize that it brings at least a four-generation curse upon them. But what happens is you get bound to a sinister satanic power and this happens through a demon which wins influence over him because it is enticed through the act of idolatry. 
Now, this influence may be physical and may cause every kind. Now, get this. There's a whole list of things where when we when, when Christians enter into this idolatry, it opens the flood doors. Everybody's like, well, find the strong man, find the strong man. But so many Christians, they go right on past idolatry. And I'm using Christians here because judgment starts in the house of the Lord. And you know what? It's like the world is going to be using all these things out here, right? They're going to be using that idolatry, and they keep sneaking into the church and have their influence, just like they did back in Bloomhart's time. And then they wonder why everything happens here. Now, notice this here, too. It says, idolatry, this influence may be physical and may cause every kind of nervous disorder. And I remember reading that the first time when I looked at that, and I, I consider that today. And what are the biggest nervous disorders that are exploding across the United States, Canada, Europe, the world? Anxiety disorders, anxiety, depression, nervous disorders, right? Okay. Now get this. And back, and back in uh, 1843, they said cramps and gout and other diseases where doctors know little what to do. And you know what? They had that back then, and they have this today here, too. But what happens is it's like, where do these diseases come from, right? What comes on that? Well, part of it's dem demonic, but another part of that is judgment from God, okay? Now, here we go. What to do? It also may ca cause psychic effects, psychic effects such as melancholy depre uh, or depression, Wow, so in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we break off all melancholy, we break off all depression in Jesus' mighty name, we break off all anxiety, depression in Jesus' mighty name, or it says, or gross indulgences. Now listen, this is 1843 again, and I keep repeating that on 1843 because, you know, things haven't gotten better, things haven't gotten smaller, it's like they've exploded. But he says the effects of this idolatry that appears so innocent in the beginning, it says, or gross indulgences such as lewd passions, lust, drunkenness, stinginess, envy, wrath, vengeance, and other passions which often become such a burden to a man that he cannot master them. When you start losing control in your life, when you can't master it, when you can't control the drinking, when you cannot control the drug addiction, the sexual addiction, the porn addiction, okay? All of a sudden, you start realizing, well, I have no control over this. Something else is steering me. Uh, I'm sorry. There can be a religious addiction. Check that one out too, right? Okay, addic addiction to religion, right? Now, look at this here too. And when we look at these things back at 1843, look how much that is, man. Lewd passions back then? They didn't even have the internet back then, right? And it's like uh, lewd passions, lust, drunkenness, and, and so much more. But you know what? This is where you start feeling the tight noose of idolatry around your neck is when something starts having control over you and you can't master them. And what Paul writes on idolatry in his epistle to the Romans, that they change the glory of the eternal God into all sorts of foolishness. And this is literally fulfilled in our Christian idolatry. Christians put their confidence in senseless sayings, secret formulas, and signs, and in certain days and pieces of paper which they hang on their necks as the Africans in their Grigris. Now, this, is, this was Bloomhart writing in 1843. They had a mission in Africa, okay, back then. The Lutheran had a mission in Africa. They also devour them. They eat these papers and commit other horrors which would lead too far to discuss here. Now, notice this here, too. Let's talk about idolatry here because we sit there and go, well, it's just a little idolatry and whatnot but, that we listed here. But it says, 
this is where we can really see idolatry start to work in, and we start seeing the symptoms of it here. It says, a further consequence is the loss of sensitivity to the word of truth. Wow. The Bible just doesn't speak to me like it does anymore. I have no lust or no desire. I have no desire to read the word of God. Well, Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, we lose a hunger and a thirst for righteousness and a hunger and a thirst for the word of God now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see this here too, and you see what happened when you got idolatry is mixed in with whoredoms. And remember that one of the works of the spirit of whoredoms is to put a separation or division between you and God and you and God's word, right? And you and your church and you and your pastor and you and the other people in the church. You see, and then it's you and your family. And it's always that dividing thing. If, if you're married and having marriage problems, relationships problems, start praying and start binding up and casting out the spirit of whoredoms that's causing that huge separation, split, and division in your relationship. Okay. Now look at that. Okay. Now look at this here too, right? And the next thing is, it also takes away security regarding eternity. Now, have you had that there too, right? It's like, you know, people get saved, they start walking in the Lord, and all of a sudden something wants to come and rob them of their security of eternity, you know, of their eternal salvation, right? And there's a whole theologies out there too, but it's like, you know, here we see a spirit, spirit doing it. And it's you know, and if you have this driving thing where it's like oh I, you know I'm going to hell going to hell I'm losing my salvation every day you may look may look at idolatry and at the spirit of whoredoms but one of the saddest consequences for a man comes is when the evangelical joy can't take root right okay remember that we sing that song the joy of the Lord is my strength right or people they sit there and they go oh wow how great I remember getting saved and my heart was full of joy and that joy just just melted away after time right. But, you know, or, or that joy in the Lord, you know, who stole the joy? I've heard that message. I have preached that message. I have listened to that message, right? And it's like, who stole the joy? It's like, well, serving the Lord became such a drudge and a dreary and, and, and heavy. And, you know, the spirits do that, right? And here you see that it, 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 you see that in idolatry, and that's why it's so important. And this is what was happening back in 1843, and this is what's happening here today. And so as we go forward here, too, it's like we saw there was a lot of this in the community. And this is why everybody was like, you know, and one thing that happened, uh, one thing that happened was is that people were completely surprised. Number one, when everybody started hearing the no noises, they confirmed that Gottlieb was not a paranoid schizophrenic and just hearing things and just seeing things. Okay. And then everybody started seeing things and everybody started hearing things. And that didn't scare people away. It became basically a spiritual Disneyland, this entire community, to the point to where they had to shut things off and not let people just wander through the place. And the thing is, is that, so they started praying. And remember when Bloomheart and, and when Bloomheart learned to pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I mean, they tried all their, all their rituals and all the things they did and it wasn't working. And finally, at one time, that's when Bloomheart rose up and said, you know what, we've seen enough of what the devil can do. Let's see what the Lord Jesus Christ can do, right? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, get out of here. And the manifestation stopped. And that's where the education began. And I wanted to say this earlier, too. You know, everybody thinks they have to be some super high-trained, super uh, spiritual person to pray this. Absolutely not. I want to put you in remembrance of, again of the woman who had Alzheimer's and dementia, 
right? And they were just listening to one of the services there. We're praying. Uh, we were coming against a lot of spirits in that one. We also came against a lot of spirits in the mind in that one. And all of a sudden, it's like the lady wakes up and says, I'm so glad he's doing that. They don't do that often enough. Well, who's they, right? You know what? And that, that's the thing, too. It's like they're not doing it anymore. And remember, at the beginning of that book that Sheila lifted up, that, that Blue Hearts Battle book, in the very beginning, it says, back then, for the longest time, there was there was a huge move, move to demythologize the body, uh, the, uh, the Bible. Let me say that again: to demythologize the Bible and basically take all the uh, take all the power out of the Bible. Okay, but now look at here. All she did, and, and then you know what she did? She prayed part of it with that. Do you know how much of a miracle that is to do that, and how much of a healing and a miracle that God had to do just to get to that point there? So praise the Lord. Now what happened here is they kept going and as they kept praying, uh, kept praying and going forward. Bloomhart realized that he wasn't just dealing with a sick young lady here. Then they then they realized, oh, the, there's a demonic power at work again here too. And they went forward step by step as the Lord showed them, right? With as simple, simple as praying in Jesus' name, the Lord Jesus Christ rebuke you, right? Or in Jesus' name, quit that. And they allowed to teach them step for step. And then they realized, okay, it's demonic, and they came against it. But what happened was is they realized, uh, the next thing is, is that God leaving, she was having all these people coming to visit her at night. Okay, they, uh, you know, when they, the, the first three people that they came up to were the spirits of three men that would visit her, and there would be, you know, um, molestations twice in the week. They would come and they would molest her uh, for hours on end, and they would hurt her with that. They basically, they would, they would rape her, right? And so they came again, you know, these unwanted nighttime visitors, right? And people talk about incubi, succubi, but they also forget about people who astral, project, astral projection and witchcraft. And what happened here is they found out that it was much more than just a, you know, maybe just a little demonic possession, if we can say that, right? What they found out is, is that there was an entire group of witches that were praying and visiting, and they had a special interest in Gottlieb. Now, let me read part of this here, too. And Bloomhart said, finally, I myself was led to the conclusion to think of a certain satanic plot, according to which all of mankind was to be drawn away after the plan of the devil, slowly, unaware, and with deception, in order for the reign of Satan to become more common and the reign of Christ to be destroyed. In this undertaking, the sinister power had the greatest fortune since everything happened in the greatest secrecy. Now listen to this, folks. Whenever something came to the, whenever something came to the fore and was noticed, nobody was even thinking in the least to go against it with courage and faith. Okay? So this is what we mean by nominal Christians. They saw the stuff that was going on. They heard it. They saw these figures coming and going and being next to her bed and doing incredible things to her. They saw this, right? But you know what? It, it, it says nobody was even thinking in the least to go against it with courage and faith. The thought didn't even come to them. That is, I, I, that's a nominal Christian minus. I'm sorry, right? And that's something, and it's like nobody would come against that. But this is what they were learning. This is what they were learning. And notice, and this is what I want to encourage you with here too, Bloomheart was no deliverance special, whatever else like that too. He went forward and allowed the Lord to show him and God leading step by step what was going on and how they should pray 
with incredible results. Let's read forward. we got to jump ahead here, right? Now, we talked about idolatry and how idolatry leads to magic and then to black magic, okay? And it says here, Bloomheart wrote, the sin of idolatry must be repented of during one's lifetime, right? And why this is, folks? Now, it says here, otherwise the bound condition goes on after death. No, we found out since, th- since then that you pay for your sins here on earth while, uh, while you have them. Okay. Now, why don't people repent from the idolatry? Well, number one, if you have an idol, you're usually usually in love with it, and it never comes to uh, you know never comes to your mind to repent of that, right? Now, an idol can be a person, a place, a thing, an object, a belief. Anything can be idolized as long as it replaces God in our life, right? That's what idolatry is, and that's what adultery is. Adultery and idolatry are giving the love that's meant for one. To something else that's meant for one to something else now this repentance however does not happen usually for the following reasons first one does not fear any danger from idolatry no because you're in love with your idol do you see the demonic deception there you are in love with that bottle of poison right you're in love with that person who's going to destroy you destroy your family destroy your marriage right you're in love with that you're in love with that whatever thing it is that's going to destroy your finances you know, can a shopaholic be into idolatry? Absolutely, positively, right? Okay, now look at this, okay? One does not fear any danger from idolatry. Second, one does not recognize the danger of it even though one has an inexplicable horror of it. I've got to quit doing this. How many times have you heard people, and including good Christians, let's keep it in the house of the Lord right now, good Christians, i got to quit doing this. i got to quit doing this. this. This is killing me. This is killing my finances. This is this is killing my mind. Smoking, smoking's idolatry. Confess it, right? Okay? You know, and people are like, you know, I know i got to quit these cigarettes, you know. Hallelujah, right? i got to sneak out three times during the church service so I can grab a puff during the thing. Wow, you're killing yourself. You know, that's why Paul said to Timothy, we have to meekly, meekly preach to these people who are resisting themselves. And the devil loves it because you're killing yourself, right? Now, let's go forward here, okay? I, I can get on this for hours. You know me, right? And it says, an inexplicable horror of it. And third, one does not estimate the danger high enough. Wow. You know, it, it could be idolatry of food. Right? And you idolize food, and you idolize food, and it's like, oh boy, you know, boy, my, none of my clothes fit anymore. Oh, I got, oh, I got diabetes. Oh, I've got this health problem. Oh, my teeth are falling out of my head. And you know what? Because of that idolatry to that, and people can't quit eating. Right? Oh, uh, by the way, how are your New Year's resolutions doing? Okay. Well, there's a, there's a barometer. Now, the eyes of the person who was deceived and caught in the snare of the devil are opened, but even now he still has the free will to decide whether he wants to give himself over completely to the devil's service or not. Now, what do you think is going to happen? It's like, well, they still got a choice. Well, what do you think their choice is going to be? Because now they are in a full-blown love affair with idolatry, and that's where the devil knows he got you, okay? You take that thing that whatever somebody's idolatry idolatry and going into there, maybe they think they have their lucky charm, and it's like, I can't live without that. I've got to wear this around my neck, or I'll be unprotected, and I won't have any good luck, and I won't have any fortune. I've got to keep this around my neck. And the devil goes, congratulations. Let's move on to step number two. Now, look at this here, too. In the former case, he becomes a regular magic spirit who is now commanded by Satan to torture together with other living magicians, these people in in various ways, either in their bodies or in their cattle, right, or in other ways. The purpose of these plagues is none other than to drive these people into a corner 
so that they in turn will use superstitious and idolatrous means in order to be caught in the snare themselves. Let's break that down really easy, people. They want to do that, and it can be done through people. It can be done naturally or supernaturally, where they bring people into stress or anguish, right, or desperation or panic, or here's the big one, people, or fear. They bring them into fear, and people, what they do is they will turn to the use of superstition and idolatrous means. Now, let me tell you, uh, let me tell you another, another real testimony here, too. About oh, a half mile from my house here, we have a wonderful grocery store. I'm buying grocery stores there one night, just down the road from our house. The checkout lady, it was a young lady, and she's going along checking out the groceries. And I know that she has a red string tied around her left wrist. And I go, aha, wow, I've seen the, I see that on celebrities all the time. And so she's checking out the groceries. And I asked her, I said, hey, what's this here? What's this on your hand? And she kind of looked at me, and I told her, I said, no, I have an interest on this one, if she only knew what I had for an interest, right? And so anyway, I said, I have an interest in this stuff. And I said, oh, is that the Kabbalah? Now, Kabbalah is, is Jewish mysticism, right? I said, is that the Kabbalah? You know, like Madonna has and Britney Spears has and so many other celebrities have. And she goes, well, no, that's not the Kabbalah. This is a red string, and in this red string, there are seven knots tied. And in these seven knots and in this string, in this string are happiness and peace and prosperity. Wait, we just we just read this list a few minutes ago, didn't we? The whole list from what we read earlier from 1843. She went right down it. I'm like I, I'm like I'm preaching on this now. And she goes, yes, and you know, happiness and prosperity and and good luck and everything. And I said, oh well, that's fascinating. I said, so you, you just wear this thing and it kind of helps you. And she goes, oh no. Now listen to this. I received this red string from my grandma, and she taught me the prayers and how to pray for that. And so I pray over this. And yeah, and I thought, well, isn't that just sweet? Because it came from grandma, so it has to be good, right? That's how it gets in, folks. You notice the devil didn't show up with a couple horns and said, hey, how about you wear this red bracelet around your thing and put your faith and hope in that and pray to that and pray to a demon? No, it was good old grandma passing on the old-time religion. And by the way, that same thing is found a lot in Orthodox religion and in, in uh, Catholic religions, too, they do that. Anything where it's like a medal around your neck or a string around your wrist, there's a lot of religions that use that. They have a red string around their wrist with certain knots in it. You know, it's almost like another form of prayer beads. And we wonder where idolatry comes from and what is this idolatry that Elvis is talking about. And notice, folks, it's the idolatry you got the red string. And then you start getting into magic and everything because you ha you start doing the spells. Well, they're not spells. They're prayers because good old grandma said it was prayers. Okay. Oh, my Lord, right? And what happens is, is that this is the thing. The devil brings people, you know, hey, you're poor. You're afraid. Listen, this is, this is what the history of the world is. Wars, famines, right? You're afraid the next tribe is going gonna, is gonna to wipe you out. So what do you do? You use superstitions and idolatrous means. And it, it, what happens is it takes you down, down to the rat hole. And here we go. Okay. Now, the magic of the living has, by the way, a series of steps. On the lowest level are those who, as the saying goes, are being used in magic itself and thus become ensnared without being conscious of it from then on. The highest level, you know, people who just play around with it. There's people who play around with magic, you know. Hey, I'm going to do this and either get a boyfriend or get a husband or get rich or money, whatever else like that, right? Now, the highest level is black proper magic in which the person serves Satan with full consciousness 
you know, the people who really sign themselves over to Satan and really want to serve him. And they absolutely, positively, they know what they're doing. I don't know, all these times they're like, well, these people don't know what they're doing. Yes, they do at the highest level. They're playing for the other team, folks, because they think that the devil's convinced them that he's going to win. So they get into this and they think they're going to be promised something. Now, in the middle between these two categories are those who make the trade out of the use of magic means and who are being used and fetched by people for this purpose. This is, you know, when you're going, you go to the card reader, you go to the crystal ball reader, and this is so common today. We think this only happened in 1843. This is so super common where people go, well, they go to a spiritist or they go to get their auras read, you know, or aura reading or anything get, to get all the energy removed, okay? Usually they use printed booklets, of which many are being circulated among the common people, and which are revelations of Satan proper. And I can, can I repeat it again? It's 1843, right? Same thing today. Now look at this. Now these people here that are using witchcraft and using this witchcraft at what they call like the middle level, they also work according to tradition. Did you catch that? And some people really, you know, there there are some traditions that are kind of neat. There are some harmless traditions, but as soon as I say that, everybody goes, oh, it's a harmless tradition. Uh, no, it's not. What they're going to do in February here, the next month, just north of us here in Germany, in the state of Schleswig-Holstein, right, what they're going to do is they're going to have a festival where they burn fires up and down the entire western coast of Denmark. And you know what they burn in those fires? Yeah, they burn an effigy. They, they burn a big doll, right? They burn an effigy of a wicker man. Because in the past, what they would do is they would, they would burn all those fires from the tippy top of Denmark all the way down to all the way down the west coast, and they would burn humans in those fires to chase away uh, all the cold of the winter and have the light come back. And they still celebrate that today, but it's illegal to burn a person. But they still burn a wicker person, and you can enjoy your hot chocolate, your hot dog, and your cup of glue wine while you watch it burn. No, thank you. I actually even considered going and watching that one time to see if people even really did that. And it's like I felt a hand on my chest and said, Elvis, don't even go there. Don't even go there. So I said, yes, Lord, and I didn't go. But you know what? Here it is. They also work according to tradition. Watch out for any religion that focuses on tradition or the, the works of the ancient fathers that worked on tradition, too. It's not tradition. It is the Word of God. Now, let's go into this, okay? Now, notice this. Those that work tra tradition, this third category of magicians, right? Simon the Sorcerer, Elimas, right? All the witches, right? This third category of magicians can speak their formulas and do their manipulations for a long time with the seeming consciousness of being benefactors of mankind, even in the reputation of great piety, although always with a bad conscience. The reputation of great piety. Yeah, you think they're a great man of God. This happened a lot. Okay, I always go back to Simon the Sorcerer, Acts chapter 8, verse 8, where you look at there, where everybody from, from, the, from the least to the smallest, right, rich to the poor, everybody thought that they were the, the, the great man of God. And I'll notice this too, and here's how you see it. Who's loaded for witchcraft out there? Look on the internet. Look on your television screen. And who are the greatest benefactors of mankind? We are going to save mankind. Get the spaceship off the planet. Get the whole planet vaccined or immunized and everything. Just watch that. Back in 1843 in this book here, this entire book is really full of clues of what we're dealing with today. But now notice this. All these people, no matter what level they're at in magic, 
or black magic, right? Or even an idolatry, but they are being ensnared deeper and deeper through their heathen practices and therefore the danger of becoming black magicians proper. Okay. Closest, although probably still deceived, are those who receive, if I may say so, demons from the devil, which become their counselors and through which the magicians inquire. Now, people, this happened back then. This still happens today. This is happening in corporate boardrooms where they are summoning. They are summoning spirits to come through so many different ways. They are summoning spirits at any level. They're doing it in banking, finance, right, in in the government. They're even doing it in, in religion at the highest level. And what they do is they receive demons from the devil and they become their counselors, okay? okay? Like some of these designs they get, they, they have engineers who do this. They get all their engineers together and they go on a DMT holiday. DMT is the drug. They take DMT, the drug, look it up. You can see it. They take that, they sit there, and it's like they all cross over into a spiritual plane, and they all end up seeing the same spirit. And that's how you know it's not just a it's not just a bad high or a bad trip that they have. And the, and they ask the demons questions. Well, how do we buy, build this certain computer? Yeah, they ask questions questions to that, and they get answers back. They get demonic wisdom back, but there's always a price. Okay. Incredible. These demons appear to them either visibly or invisibly through certain means which they use, including mirrors in 1843, right? The demons answer the question asked of them, of course, not without an interest in the reign of darkness. Thus it comes that Christians ask advice at the mouth of Beelzebub. Now you can see this in 2 Kings chapter 1 and verse 16, folks. You can do it right there. All the way back in 2 Kings chapter 1 verse 16, the people of God were doing exactly what was written here. They were thousands of years before Bloomhart's battle, and Bloomhart's battle was just 177 years before before our time, right? Okay? And it, yeah, it never changes. And black magicians are those who have made a formal pact with the devil. This can happen individually or through joining certain societies whose foundation is such a secret pact, like some think tanks, folks, okay? So what I want to do here is I want to show that what's been written back then is what actually what's been going, going on now. And they go, now look, look for this. What black magicians are looking for mostly is good fortune, right? Good luck. We need to have good luck, good fortune, okay? What are they looking for? Good fortune, lust, money, and protection against bodily dangers. You see, folks, because this is what they go for, okay? And believe me, we lose civil civil war in Satan's kingdom right now, and believe me, these kingdoms are going against each other. You know, we've got 13 world families duking it out here, and they're not all on the same side either. They have envy. They have jealousy. They have all of that. They have a fear that somebody else is going to get more, and as a matter of fact, we pray that. Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, we lose that fear over that, over the, the principalities and the global rulers of darkness now the fear that someone else is getting just a little bit more and what they do is they have they have contentions among each other and we can have a little civil war in satan's kingdom in jesus mighty name and you'll be amazed you'll be amazed just just praying that wow okay now they do this and there's many things that can be and, and they're powerful they can move hundreds of miles in a few moments now look, this is 1843 they were noticing this. They are able to provide money for themselves, make themselves invisible in the same way in which the before-mentioned objects are made invisible. They can move hundreds of miles in a few moments, and that with their whole personality, especially 
Please listen to this one here. They can kill people hundreds of hours away, and strokes of which often the healthiest persons die can be the consequence of a magic stroke from a shorter or a longer distance. They can also start fires without being seen. This is the whole part. For some strange what reason, they had a claim on this little Gottlieben. And what happened? What we find out, and I'm going to skip ahead here, but the last thing that Bloomhart wrote in this last little section we're talking about, however, a battle against these sinister powers, begun by faith in him who crushed the head of the serpent, could never be but victorious, which, which means is when you go against this stuff in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, it will be victorious. Our Lord is still greater. And this is what they're afraid of, people. Why do you think they're trying to wipe out Christianity out of every every level of human life? Everywhere. Christianity is the most persecuted religion on planet Earth right now. Okay? Christianity is being shut up. Look, look for, for, for our listeners in America, look how Christianity is coming against there. Boy, for our listeners here, here in Europe, my Lord, they have done a work on the church. Just look at it here, right? And they're even passing laws, okay? They're coming after you with the legal system now to where it's like you almost got to watch everything you say and whatever. And yeah, it's rolling over into America because you have so many, you know, witches that have become lawmakers and they want to bring everything from everything from Europe on over into America and put it into, into there. I could talk a lot about that. What happened was, is that For many who have heard this case, it remains a mystery how Gottlieb, a person thinking as a Christian, and for years uh, uh, decided and solid, could fall into such horrible satanic temptation and in such measure. Gottlieb knows to tell of circumstances from her childhood, uh, which point to the fact that she was laying in wait for. Now, let's let's read that again. Let's translate that. She started telling, uh, it started getting revealed to her, and she would share where there were circumstances from her childhood which point to the fact that they were looking for her from her birth. Okay, there were a group of witches that wanted her from her from her birth in order to implicate her in the net of magic. I regret to touch once more on something which, as a rule, is counted among the most incredible superstitions and which I still have cause not to reject completely, Bloomhart writes. Soon after her birth, she was in danger of being carried away, uh, being carried away invisibly. Her mother, who died 10 years ago, often told her she had the child by her side in bed, and in her sleep she suddenly feared for the child, awakened, and did not feel the child next to her and called out, Lord Jesus, my child. Then something fell to the floor at the bedroom door, and it was the child. Uh, wow, astro, uh, people astro, astro projecting and stealing children? How's your cognitive dis- dissonance on that one? That happens. Even when they don't have the, you know, people doing it through through astral projection, right? Or through the witchcraft walking, you know, they have people stealing children all the time. Have you seen all the all these things where if they can't steal the child, they'll just kill the mother and take the child? You've read about that in papers, but your mind may have just uh, skipped over that, right? Now look at this here too. The same thing happened once more in a similar way. The children, who according to legend are substituted for exchange children, they switch the kids at birth. How scary is that, right? They switch the kids and are destined to fall into the hands of 
magicians, just say witches, into the hands of witches and warlocks in order to be initiated early in life into the whole realm of magic. You know, this used to be hidden people. We, we are seeing this today right in front of our face because they don't even think they have to fear the church of God anymore, right? We hear all the pedophilia stuff. We hear all the child rings. And, and you know what? It, what's really weird is not all of that is just for sex or prostitution. They take the ones that have spiritual gifts and abilities that the Lord put into them. Yeah, I'll repeat that, that the Lord put into them, right? And what they want to do is they want to go and convert and pervert that and turn these people with supernatural abilities, these small kids, because they find that and they have discernment on that, right? And they turn them. And people, I'm reading the account here from 1843 where he's writing this down where they got to see it with their own eyes. And we see it today. They don't even have to do this in secret anymore because they view the church as anemic. Don't be nominal. Don't be anemic in Jesus' name. So now here we go. Such superstitious sounding things never had meaning for me before, and I did not get any meaning until this case when I considered the experiences with Gottlieben. Now get this. Soon the child was sent to a cousin who was generally feared as an evil person and who said once to the, to the seven-year-old child, when Gottlieben was seven years old, when you are ten years old, I will teach you something worthwhile. This age is usually mentioned as the time of possible initiation into magic. Okay, get that, folks. Ten years old, initiation into witchcraft. They take kids all the way back then. Do you see the weird things they're doing with kids nowadays, folks? There you go. Ten years old. She also said, if you, if you only did not have the name Gottlieben, which literally means the lover of God or the beloved of God, and if you had different godparents, hallelujah. Now, her mother died when she was 10 years old. But remember, remember, her mother said, Lord Jesus, my child. Her parents were believers. And interesting enough, they wanted the kids, and the parents just seemed to die. Okay, we break that off in Jesus' mighty name. But now look at this here, too. She had godly godparents. As a matter of fact, her godparents were helping Pastor Bloomer as much as they could in her deliverance, right? Okay. You know, if you wouldn't have had that godly name or those those godly godparents who probably prayed over her, people pray over your kids, right? I would give you great power in, in the world. Similar saying caused the child concern, okay? And what happened was, even as a small child, because her parents probably raised her this way, in her quiet thoughts, she always remembered the verse, Our Lord is greater and of great power, and it is beyond understanding how he rules in the sense that really God alone is the one who rules the world. That's Psalm 147, verse 5. And that Bible verse kept coming to her, and the Holy Spirit kept bringing that up in her. Now, the cousin died when the child was only eight years old. However, as the ignorance of the common people had made it a custom, once in a while witchcraft means, okay, and witchcraft-like medications were used on the child when she was sick, okay? Some of that folksy stuff. You know, we always hear this stuff. Eye of newt, tail of rat, the bat of a wing. We'll do this here too. Give it to the little child, right? Okay, and that's what happened, right? And so they gave it to her, all, all those home, you know, some of these home rem remedies, right? That's why we pray over our medication too. This is why, like others, she was pulled into the net. Okay, they were always after, after. The faculties of spirit she possessed, now get this, the faculties of spirit she possessed made the instruction she received from Pastor Barth very fruitful. You see, that she was spiritual. She had the spiritual components there, and witchcraft wanted to use that for her means. Her pure fear of God saved her from an even deeper involvement in the sins of idolatry and, worn through her, her pious parents, 
her Christian parents, she shunned everything that tended in the direction from uh, in that direction from early in her life. However, she was already bound. So you see, there was this struggle going on with God leading there, right? And then you know, once they got the parents out of the way, and notice what they did—they brought these kids into abject poverty. They didn't have a, a lot of work. The brother was uh, blind, right? Uh, the sister was a nurse. She was still learning how to clean her house. She was already bound. And I tell this, and Bloomhart writes, I tell this according to the results, which did not come out until during the course of her demonic illness. She was bound to a degree in which she was to be misused, right? How's like that? Called to misused, right? We've targeted, targeted you yeah, to be misused. She was gang stalked. This is called mobbing. She, she was bullied. She was mobbed over in Europe. They use the word mob here. She was misused according to the principles of darkness to plague others in the spirit, right? Without having, as always in the case, in the low degree of bondage, an idea of feeling it, Okay. She was, they were going to, they were going to have her just be a, a, a witch and basically steal everything from people just by being, being around from them. We talked about psychic vampires. Here you go. It's something like that. Okay. But her spirit, as is possible after what has been told, withstood the insinuations of darkness. Okay. You see, there was this resistance. There was something, you know, in the Bible, it says, parents, teach your children, you know, teach your children when they're young and they'll, they'll, they'll know the way to go as they go forward. And they kept coming after with the witchcraft. They were mobbing her. They wanted her because there were certain supernatural gifts, talents, and abilities that we had, right? And because she wouldn't play along with them, at 28, back in 1843, she wasn't married, so she was an old maid, kind of like that, right? The family didn't really have any money. The parents were gone. Nobody ever really looked into them. And notice, just like we read here, they kept they kept bringing difficulties on her to try to get her and her family to go back into, into the witchcraft superstition and become a witch. But she didn't do that, so they, the mob came after her as a deserter. Now, you ask people about gang stalking or those that are actually, you know, in America, we talk, there, there is, you know, gang stalking. There's this mobbing or whatever. Okay. She refused to play along. They decided to kill her, to ensnare her really into magic and that into the deepest magic because she only seemed safe for the devil in this way. You get that? The devil was so afraid of her, of, you know, being godly and everything like that, right? The devil knew and at a young age. And I want to talk about that. There's a lot of people that have gifts and a talent and talents and stuff. And they're always like, well, I want to know what my gifts of, of God are. Well, you've usually been manifesting them. And I tell you what, if God gives you a gift and, he, and if he's given you a gift from time of conception on, you're going to have the enemy attacking that gift from the time of conception on. This is why many, many people and many Christians that are out there to be have a great influence upon the world notice that almost every one of them get, get attacked with either difficulties or they get attacked with rejection, right? They get wounded and hurt by people. What the devil wants to do is, is create such a wound and hurt against people that they're like, you know what, forget it. I'm just going away. I don't want to be around people. And the devil laughs because the Lord created that person to be a, to be a blessing. So this is what happened. Wow. Now, the thing, therefore, Gottlieb's task, and later mine was faith and faithfulness, faith in the power of God to protect the believers, even though all hell broke open. Did you hear that, people? To protect them, even though all hell broke open. It did on Gottlieb, it did on Bloomheart too. And faithfulness against all and every sin of idolatry. Hey, let's add in witchcraft, right? And they were doing that. And see, this is the point. 
they only had God for protection. And when you read farther into the book, you find out everything they did. You know, they would get they would give give her cursed food. They would give her food that was laced with spiritual stuff inside of it uh, to make her sick and everything. And you know what? Here's the point, folks. And I want to make this point here. And since we're wrapping this up here. Uh, tonight, one thing that happened was is they kept praying, and she kept getting her deliverance and kept fighting it and getting this witchcraft out of her. Eventually, we come to the point where not only did they get the witchcraft out of her, but they got it out of her brother. But the big thing was is they came against one of the big spirits in her sister, the nurse, and they cast that out in Jesus' name too. But she got her deliverance, and she overcame them by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of her testimony. And this is why we have that, right? Revelation 12, 11. They didn't realize it, but they were coming against a worldwide network of witches and warlocks and spiritists. Because you know what happened was, is they kept praying in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and more and more people kept coming back to God and realizing, hey, this is something here too. This is going on in my life. And Bloomheart and Gottlieb, and get this, and her brother and her sister, what they did is they started teaching other people or helping other people to get free, and they destroyed an entire demonic witchcraft network that spanned across Europe. What was the effect of that? At the end of Bloomheart's Battle, and when you read on, I believe that there's another book called The Awakening, what happens is, is a revival breaks out, a true revival here, where people started coming back to Jesus Christ and throwing away the witchcraft. Yes, and everything that the witches were searching for through all their stuff, God poured upon his people, but people were getting set free to the amount where it was too many people for where they were at. What happened was, was Bloomheart went and he bought, he bought a place Right, they got this place by a miracle, and it's in it's called and it's in a town called Bad Boll in the state of Baden-Württemberg. And what happened was, is they just set up a place there, and anybody tormented and afflicted could go there and receive deliverance prayer from this. And you know what? To this day, down there, it is known as the Bible Belt of Germany, for better or for worse, the Bible Belt of Germany, because it broke the witchcraft over the area. And you see, folks, that's why Gottlieb went through what she went through, because the enemy was really after her, and God chose her and said, you know what, through her, I will break the power of this giant coven over this entire area, and show the people the power of my name and the power of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the very brave Pastor Bloomheart, who just kept going forward, and who kept praying, right, come out in Jesus' name, and going step by step with what the Holy Spirit showed in, in this situation, they defeated that, and they were only two people. And basically, one of the two people was Gottlieb, and she was the one manifesting on that. But you know what? What happened, people, is, you know what? Just two people decided, you know, Gottlieb decided to get her deliverance. And Bloomheart, even though he had no other outside support, chose to go forward. And not only did it set Gottlieb free, oh, by the way, after she got her deliverance, she was perfectly healthy. All those health things went away, right? They called out all the witchcraft. She was perfectly healthy. And as a matter of fact, she and her sister and her brother, they ended up living right around uh, Pastor Bloomheart and helping all the other people afterwards. And like I said, that caused a revival. Now, you want to read Acts chapter 8, 1 through 5, and you will see that the same exact thing that happened when Philip went down there. And it says he preached the Lord Jesus Christ, and he did many miracles there. And they healed those who needed healing, and they cast spirits out of those who needed deliverance. And it says there, and there was great joy in that city. And that was there for a long time. 
So praise the Lord. That's where I want to end with that there too. That's basically the uh, the uh, <laughs> the short Cliff Notes version on that one. But I tell you what, let's not miss an opportunity here. Father in heaven, in Jesus' mighty name, Lord. Lord, there are your people across the world, Lord. People where you have placed a calling upon them, and the enemy has repeatedly wounded that calling, Father, in Jesus' mighty name, Lord. And Father, we also know, Lord, that there is Christian idolatry, there is magic, there is black magic coming against God's people, Father, in Jesus' name. And so, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we loose the fire of the Lord to go before us, the terror of the Lord, the spirit of Elijah and the spirit of Yehu to go before us now in Jesus' mighty name and start breaking all bands, bindings, chains, snares, and fetters put over God's people now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, we break all hexes, vexes, curses, spells, incantations and chants, all witchcraft, all magic, all voodoo, and all hooly-gooly, whatever it's called by whatever name on whatever continent, in Jesus' mighty name, we break all demonic and occult power in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We take away all weapons of secrecy, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord. And we cast that down, and we call down the same fire that fell down upon Sodom and Gomorrah to fall down upon the camp of the enemy and the kingdom of the devil now in Jesus' name, and we break this witchcraft. We break all idolatry over us in Jesus' name. We cast out all magic and black magic in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we cancel any covenant and any pact with Satan or his people in Jesus' mighty name, and it is null and void. Why? Because you know this, Satan. You entered into an illegal contract. In Jesus' mighty name, we break that. And we just lose Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, where the ordinances against us were canceled, having nailed them to his cross. In Jesus' name. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, where Christ became a curse for us. And we cancel all the curses against us in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, all curses. And we break off all psychic powers, psychic prayers. We break off all passive witchcraft off of us now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you go where the Lord Jesus Christ tells you to go. We break that in Jesus' name. We lose the entire book of Psalm 109 on the head of the enemy now in Jesus' name and all the witchcraft, Lord. Father, we free the souls as it is written in the second half of Ezekiel chapter 13 where the Lord says, Why have you made those sad that I have not made sad? And why have you killed those that I have not killed, saith the Lord? All the death, all the depression through witchcraft now in Jesus' name, and all the captured souls through witchcraft in Jesus' name. It says that they gathered the souls into pillows in the second part of Ezekiel chapter 13. Lord, in Jesus' name, we lose angels with sharp swords to go free the minds, free the wills, free the emotions, free the hearts, free the intellect, free the appetites now in Jesus' name, and we rebuke you, Satan, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where there needs to be repentance, Father, we lose the spirit of conviction and repentance, and we ask your forgiveness, Father, in Jesus' name, for seeking all help outside of you through any witchcraft, occult, or psychic source in Jesus' name, and for also all the fortune-telling, Father, in Jesus' name. Even if it's charismatic fortune-telling, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we ask your forgiveness for that, Lord, and to take our feet out of the paths of witchcraft, death, and destruction in Jesus' name, and we come against us now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we break these witchcrafts off. We cancel all lines, circles, all divinations in Jesus' name, potions, spells, sayings, Father, in Jesus' name that have been drawn up against us, and they are canceled, broken, and they are null, and they are void in Jesus' name, and all the demons behind the idols can go back to wherever they came from 
in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You go ask Jesus where to go because you're not welcome here in Jesus' mighty name. And we cast you away and we break off all magic, black magic, Father, black rituals in Jesus' mighty name, and all poverty, death, and destruction. It says that the devil has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So we come against all witchcraft stealing, witchcraft killing, and witchcraft destruction in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we call all witchcraft out of our minds in Jesus' name. All witchcraft insanity. Witchcraft insanity. And we loose in, in spirits of power, spirits of love, and a spirit of sound mind. Let's go. Witchcraft fear. Witchcraft insanity. We break off all the powers of witchcraft anxiety and witchcraft depression. And we separate both of them in Jesus' name and call the fire of God down upon them. And we command them to get out of God's people now in Jesus' mighty name. You loose God's people and you let them go in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You do not have control in our lives. Come on, control over our lives through fear, manipulation, control, domination. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you loose God's people, you let them go. We break your power over God's people. The Lord Jesus Christ rebuke you. We have seen enough of what the devil can do. Let's see now what the name of our Lord Jesus Christ can do and the power of his shed blood for us in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we rebuke you in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. Father, we just pray your protection around us in each and every direction. You are our protection. It says the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them, those that love you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name, Lord. And so, Father, you're our protection. You're our provision, Lord. You're our helper, Father, in Jesus' name. And we renounce all the hidden works of darkness in our lives and in us in Jesus' name. We break the generational curses back to four generations, back to ten generations. And we break the powers of witchcraft, all witchcraft sickness, all the sicknesses that do not heal, all that now in Jesus' name. Come on, all bipolar spirits, all borderline spirits. Come on, all those things where people pray and say, am I ever going to change? Am I always going to be this way? Turn your prayers to God. Ask him for help. Come on, all those that are addicted to stuff, all those where, like we said earlier, things that have overcome you and you don't have control anymore, we break that. Jesus came to set the captives free and that's you. Walk out of those cages. All the cages of witchcraft, manipulation, all that in Jesus' name. Every addiction, whatever is an addiction or an idolatry in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we break these chains over God's people in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you loose them and you let them go. And we loose the angel of the Lord to chase them and torment them. We loose the hornets of the Lord. We loose the hounds of heaven. We loose everything after them now in Jesus' mighty name. And we pray that we break off all the bondage of oppression that any type of witchcraft, magic, and voodoo would want to make in Jesus' mighty name. And we pray deliverance now in Jesus' name and for the angels to go and keep delivering. And Lord, that the people would be delivered in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of his blood. We break all the things of witchcraft, magic, voodoo, everything that's written out there in Jesus' mighty name, Lord. And no matter how complex all the, all the things are with code words or, or words or vows or blood or whatever, all is broken in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the power of his shed blood. And we rebuke all the demons of witchcraft in Jesus' mighty name. Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. And we thank you, Jesus. We bind up all backlash, all retribution. Just send it right back back around to the head of the demons in Jesus' name. And you got to go in Jesus' name. And we thank you. We praise you, Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen and amen. And Sheila, with that, that's the end of part three. 
Amen. Wow. What a really powerful teaching and such a powerful prayer. Folks, that was Pastor Elvis Newhart from Hamburg Church of Deliverance. Hey, listen, there's a weekend workshop the 6th to the 8th of March in Lower Saxony, Germany. If you know anybody in that area, Pastor Elvis's church is having an amazing weekend warfare workshop, and it's going to be very powerful. A lot of deliverance. They have a beautiful location. If you have any questions, shoot Pastor Elvis Newhart an email at elvishcd, that's elvishcd at aol.com. And for those watching on video, it's up on your screen there. Do reach out to Elvis and thank him for presenting this three-part series on Bloomheart's Battle, A Conflict with Satan. What a powerful series. And we are out of time. We will see you real soon. Good night and God bless you.